I V M. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories, India's very own travel podcast, where each week we share the journey of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you, our listeners. Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories. Hope you're all well and keeping safe. On the podcast today, we have Udbhav Agarwal, author of the book A for Prayagraj. a short biography of alabad we talked to udbhav about his love for alabad a brief history of the place as well as some interesting snippets from his book as a part of the episode we giving away two copies of udbhav's book all you have to do is listen to the episode and answer three simple questions linked in the description of the episode good luck and let's get on with the episode now So without introduction we'd love to welcome Udbhav Agarwal author and a PhD candidate to the Musafir stories Udbhav thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and welcome Thank you for having me Udbhav thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and uh, yeah I introduced you as author and PhD candidate and if people are wondering why we have um, Udbhav on the podcast uh, that is because uh, Udbhav's uh, debut book is about a wonderful city and that's what we'll be discussing about today uh, but before that udbhav the introduction i gave about you was uh, pretty short and concise so why don't you speak a little bit more about yourself and then we can hop on and talk a little bit more about your book as well sure 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 uh, as sir already said my name is udbhav um, i was born in alhabad india and i stayed in the city uh, till when i was 13 and then i went to boarding school in india for a few years and then i came to the us um, for my undergrad and i've been here for about well 8 years now and over the years as i've kind of moved in and out of alabad returned to the city or moved away from it i've always tried to figure out what my connection to the city was the culmination of all those journeys is uh, what led to this book that we're talking about wonderful thanks so much udbhav and yeah really eagerly looking forward to this as well especially when it is um these iconic cities right it's always very hard to cover them off in a podcast episode right uh, you can't really do justice to all of them and even in the book i'm sure uh, you might have found that challenge yes. as well that it's always so hard but again uh, we'll look at it from your perspective your experience and what you felt uh, all of these years living there and your journeys back to alabad even while you've been away from it as well um can you give a brief synopsis about the book as well i know you mentioned that it's about your uh, journeys but at a high level like what was the thought process mm-hmm. or when did you come up with this idea that hey i i think i have to jot down my thoughts and make a, like make this into a book i think because as anyone who kind of you know is born somewhere and lives there and actually ends up leaving that place uh, i think there's a very uh, strange kind of relationship that you form uh with the places that you leave behind and for me when i you know went to boarding school first but then more so when i came to america i was not sure what my relationship to alhabad was and i didn't simply want to you know leave it at some kind of nostalgia or some kind of you know nri syndrome of just like appreciating uh, or exoticizing these places so that was you know one of the first impulses where i was like hey there is this 
background, this this past to me, which I don't really know how to relate to uh, or how to make sense of. And with that, I was, you know, kind of starting to write some stories on Alhabar, uh, just like minor anecdotes that I picked up here and there in conversations when I was in America. So that was happening on one side. And then I was also studying sociology and political science. And so when time came for me to, you know, write a thesis for my undergraduate, uh, senior year in my undergrad, I found myself returning to Alhaba from a more um, sociological lens. And that was the time when uh, a lot of the uh, political landscape in India was changing. You know, uh, far right was coming up. There was a lot of uh, re-scripting of Alhaba. The narrative around Alhaba was changing. Uh, eventually, the name of the city would change. Actually, I found an in back into Alhabad, into this past that I kind of left behind through these uh, seismic changes in its fabric and in its culture. And as I, you know, went back uh, to research for my thesis, uh, interviewing people, uh, that kind of sparked off a very, uh, it turned out that uh, I was unlocking parts of me in that journey, uh, which I wasn't aware of, just reconciling things uh, that I never really uh, considered. Mm-hmm. that the the political and the personal kind of started merging together. Eventually, I you know, ended up writing a proposal for a book uh, to Aleph, who has this beautiful city series, and it got accepted, and I got you know a chance to explore that more fully and more comprehensively, uh, these lines. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. And yeah, definitely does make a lot of sense as well, especially when you're living in a place you don't tend to th- think as much about it like that's what I've, mm-hmm. I've always felt about Bangalore as well when you're there you don't uh, and not just yeah. places I guess with a lot of things right even with people when you're with them you don't tend to appreciate them as much but when you tend to like be away from them or get away from them that's when like you try, start like reminiscing a lot of those things and um, like trying to think more deeply about what that place or that person meant to you right so Really, really uh, looking forward to this conversation as well. And before we get too deep into the conversation, assuming one, some some of us living under a rock don't know where Allahabad is, <laughs> Udbhav, uh, would you please educate us a little bit about uh, the place itself, where Allahabad is situated? So Allahabad is usually associated with Eastern UP. Uh, you can, you know, sense it in the language that's spoken there. It's very dis- different from Western UP uh, and the Leheza and every, all of that. Um, but the big thing about Allahabad that you know a lot of people uh, know it for is that it's uh, situated in the intersection of two rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ganga and Yamuna they meet at Allahabad and they kind of form a cradle for the city. Historically, that has also been the region has been very fertile. It's one of the things which uh, I begin the book by saying that that people would come here would always set in its geography because. It's always fertile. You kind of always expected people will come here. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's now we've just had a new airport come into the city. So it's become very connected, which is surprising for, you know, such an important city. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very, very accessible and very well connected. So getting there should not be a problem either via roadways, railways, or like Udbhav said, uh, now the airport. Um, again, uh, just going back to your point about... Um, this being a very historic and iconic city, right? Even over time, and it's also been known as one of the longest living living cities as well. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the history of the place as well? And uh, you kind of touched upon the recent name change in 2018 to um, from Allahabad to Prayagraj, but this is not the first yeah. time that there has been name changes in yeah. the past as well. So do you want to give us a little bit uh, background about the 
history of Allahabad or Prayag as it was known. So Allahabad is one of the oldest living cities in the world, one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, it's often kind of paired with Banaras, Varanasi in the same, uh, you know, associated with the same kind of past. The first mentions of inhabitants in Allahabad dates back to like, I think, 1000 BCE in the Rigveda. What is important about that time is that uh, the city as we know it right now didn't really exist then. It was just a kind of small strip of uh, kutiyas and uh, just riverbed settlements mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of munis and uh, there was a lot of religious activity there. Right. So that is uh, that was like the oldest avatar of Allahabad. And it is then, from there we get the name uh, Prayag. Mm-hmm which is actually referring to Yag, the ritual. Right. And it was believed that uh, Lord Brahma had performed these Yagyas here. Mm-hmm. That's Yagya. So that's where the name Prayag comes from. And then over the years, you know, as you uh, as you have this, you know, different dynasties uh, coming to the area, no one actually uh, settles in Allahabad, in the region right. of where the two rivers are meeting. There's a lot of people are settling, like the Guptas and all. Uh, set nearby and they make trips to Allahabad, this this area specifically, but they do not start living here. It's only with the Mughals and specifically with Akbar right. that that a kind of city as we know it today starts forming and Akbar gives it the name of uh, Allahabad, mm-hmm. which is uh, a very interesting uh, name because a lot of times people confuse it uh, because when the British came, they start going Allahabad, not Allahabad. Mm-hmm. So they uh, sort of connoted with uh, Allah in some reason, but Ilah actually has a more broader right. meaning, which is just a reference to the supreme power. So Ilahabas is where the supreme power lives. So that's what Akbar called it, the city. And uh, there was a lot of uh, Mughal and Sufi architecture that came up during that time. And he really took it upon himself to kind of develop Allahabad, as we know it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Allahabad uh, becomes uh, a big, big, big note in uh, the British colonial administration. Right. It becomes the capital of the north uh, provinces. This is the kind of cerebellum of uh, where the British uh, in some rule a big part of the colonial India. Right. And so when they are coming in, uh, there's a lot of uh, restructuring of the city and a remapping of the city. So what was initially very uh, smallish, but very uh, full of character boroughs or neighborhoods and villages even, some of them are actually burnt down by the British and built over. Mm-hmm. And then you have this design, which is, you know, of course, repeated in a lot of uh, cities in the colonies where you have this area called the White Town right. and then the other areas. So now when you come to Allahabad, you see a little bit of the uh, Mughal architecture in spurts. But the big uh, kind of the way the city is mapped is the British way. Uh, so there is uh, all the colonial administrations, the huge colonial bungalows, the company garden, which is, you know, kind of the centerpiece of the city in some ways. Uh, and then right outside the, the company gardens and the railway tracks on one side, you have those uh, other previous ways of organizing city spaces. So very tight, very uh, congested, small serpentine streets in different neighborhoods. So yeah, it is seen a lot. The city has seen a lot. And after the British, of course, it also becomes a big seat of uh, rebellion against the British. Mm-hmm. So the Gandhis are here, the Nehru's are here. It's a hotbed of political activity. And, you know, after independence, of course, it's a story of steady and a slow decline from all of that mm-hmm. to this kind of a very anonymous looking town. Like now, if you come to Allahabad, it with the malls and with the 
shopping complexes and uh, you kind of see that personality of the city even its architecture and its space is uh, dwindling and disappearing so that's like a short and sweet <laughs> past of the city yeah one of the key i guess features or the characteristics of the city also has been this intersection of the two rivers right ganga yamuna and the invisible saraswati and uh, the sangam as they say right triveni sangam as they call it that has been yeah. one of the key features and obviously during the later times but the moguls or akbar actually setting up camp here and also uh, jahangir was one of them um, you know, stayed here for a little bit so all of that influence resulted in the confluence no, not just of the two rivers but also the different kinds of people coming from uh, different areas right so it's given mm-hmm. rise to this very unique concept called as this ganga jamuni tehzeeb right would you mm-hmm. you've touched upon that in the book as well but would you like to uh, kind of enlighten us a little bit more about this this concept as well abba yeah definitely i mean uh, that was one of the most fascinating things about alhabad's uh, fabric of the city but basically that the tehzeeb was really just a way of uh, people belonging to different religious identities kind of uh, being trust together in the same spaces and uh, then finding a way to live with each other and what was astonishing is that uh, there was a way in which uh, they could be of their religion but also be of the other religion in a very interesting way so there were like you know there'd be like small etiquettes or practices that would make the relationship between these two groups of people very uh, convivial and uh, syncretic in some ways so i mean in the book i following the story of this uh, person uh, akshat lal elhabadi who has these stories of how uh, the chowk area of alhabad which is one of the you know one of the oldest areas of the city which came up a lot in the uh, during the mughal time how hindus and muslims kind of lived there and how like rituals for instance like the tazia that's lifted is funded by a hindu family how akshat's grandfather was given uh, a muslim name uh, and was referred to by that name uh, for the longest time in his life so these small small things that uh, signal a kind of coming together of these two uh, cultures almost right and kind of getting fully agreed on to each other and uh, that came to be known as tehzeeb and of course the metaphor of the rivers coming together was very important to kind of describe these two cultures meeting mm-hmm. and even now you can sense it in the language uh, hindi and urdu are just mixing together in the food so it's kind of uh, inseparable almost yeah yeah definitely especially the stories like you mentioned right the chokki mm-hmm. holi to the mohram procession uh, being flagged off yeah. by the hindu family in the area like all of those are really heartening stories and it's great to actually hear from you and obviously you Uh, in turn speaking with the locals and the people who have been living and experiencing this over several decades right so that's really heartening and uh, gives a sense of this uh, ganga jamuni tehzeeb which is very unique i would say i know perhaps this occurs across a lot of other places in mm-hmm. um, india as well where uh, people of different religions are living together but in allahabad right this blooms and really shows up beautifully too so i'm glad that mm-hmm. was captured beautifully in the book uh, and i really love i have to call this out <laughs> even before we get too deep into the conversations that uh, i love the wordplay and the way you've named all the different 
chapters in the book. Okay. <laughs> uh, for somebody who's just looking at it, um, might not make a, lo- a lot of sense. But once you start reading it and how the chapter names are connected to stories within the book, it's mm-hmm. great. And this first one, by the way, is Mekalutiki, which kind of shows <laughs> the confluence of cultures and also times in uh, to some mm-hmm. extent, right? So uh, we'll continue to make these uh, wonderful references as we go through the conversation. Um, now, just touching upon, uh, we touched upon the Ganga Jamuni Tahzeeb, but one of the other important important and uh, really um, unique uh, again unique in a way that um, it, it is one of the largest gathering of people for a religious ceremony of sorts right um, the mm-hmm. kummela that also is very very uh, iconic and special to the spa, uh, to the place to the city and do you want to touch a little bit more upon that as well because I mean, uh, very unique in the sense that one happens once every 12 years and uh, it also has a mm-hmm. unique backstory as to how the name came about as well. Do you want to touch upon that, Udbhav? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Komila is actually, uh, as we know it right now, uh, it's not uh, too old. It's only been happening for a few hundred years. And uh, there's an essay in uh, Arvind Krishna Mehrotra's book, The Last Bhaglo, which kind of uh, excavates this past of the Komila. But the name really comes from this uh, myth of uh, the churning of the ocean, mm-hmm. where the, you know, the demons and the lords were churning the ocean and the uh, pot that they were, you know, that was in the middle of the churning kind of fell and it's believed to have uh, spilled Amrit mm-hmm. in Allahabad. So uh, that's where the name Kumb, Kumb is the name for the pot, right. uh, comes from. Um, and now, I mean... Uh, Kumela in the recent years, especially this last iteration, there were about 150 million people who attended. Yeah. And literally uh, in the winter time, when the kind of river water, the river really kind of uh, is not as voluminous, mm-hmm. an entire city is built on the riverbeds. The, the like sanitation, camps, electricity, everything, food, everything is, it's a very self-sufficient city. And of course, you have all these pilgrims coming in. Um, and it was at the same time becoming extremely commercialized. Mm-hmm. So it almost felt like it was an amusement park of sorts where, uh, you know, you have these like advertisements for like Pepsi and other brands. Uh, and then you have all these attractions from the religious past of the city. So like you go to this tent and watch this sadhu mm-hmm. perform this trick or that trick or something like that. So these two things happening simultaneously was, uh, I felt was a kind of uh, lessening of the religiosity and replacing it with a kind of commercialized branding mm-hmm. of what this was meant to be. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what Scum was about. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting, I think, uh, to get a perspective. Uh, obviously, uh, somebody who's listening it for the first time might not be able to make mm-hmm. this relative comparison. But it's uh, interesting to hear this from you as well over time, right, over your previous visits, how this is kind of slowly metamorphosized and I guess in a way also keeping up at times, I guess, right? Uh, yeah. In general, like a lot of these things are also things we do see across, right, commercialization to uh, other things we see playing out, be it the politics or whatever it is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting to see that it shows in pretty much every aspect of life, uh, including the comp. Yeah. Uh, the other important thing that also like first comes to mind, um, like obviously important personalities of Allahabad too, right? Uh, like you mentioned, it's always been like at the fore and at the center of a lot of activity, be it from the times from Akbar or 
later on during the independence struggle as well. So a lot of lot of key movements have been involved in this area too, right from um, mm-hmm. Gandhi ji starting his marches to even people like Chandrasekhar Azad, right? Uh, right mm-hmm. here in the city some of those have been touched upon in the book too do you want to call out perhaps some of the examples and that's uh, touched upon in the book utbhav because this is very very key just not just in terms of the place but even some of the personalities that have come out of the place right as i was saying earlier that allahabad has you know been uh, was not only an important node of british administration but also an important center of the reaction to that in kind of uh, uh, the march towards independence right after independence for like maybe 30 years because it was um, such an important place from where the uh, country was being governed a lot of people came here and settled here and there was a really kind of uh, vibrant uh, political cultural life of the city so there was from the politics point of view there was so much uh, of course nehru and gandhi were here and uh, their uh, the nehru house is still there anand bhavan mm-hmm. which is beautifully preserved even now uh, but apart from that there were a lot of uh, big writers like firaq gorakhpuri like upendranath ashk who were also based here like mahadevi verma and of course the uh, freedom fighters more uh, like militant ones chandrasekhar azad was here he was actually uh, shot in the company garden yep. in alhabad and his pistols kept in the museum in company garden as well and even the tree where he shot it's marked and you know it's uh, monumentalized to him so yeah there's there are a lot of i mean uh, that was one of the most difficult parts about the book actually was to find a way to navigate this uh, rich cast of characters mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a never-ending cast of characters, almost. Yeah, definitely, uh, very, very important places. And uh, even I believe when the actual handing over of the the reins to from the British East India Company to the government, right? The British government happened. Mm-hmm. That also happened here, right? At the Minto Park, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, lot, a lot of um, key events. places and people all coming out of this area um and also just touching upon the literary history of the place too and the personalities involved your uh, chapter 3 i guess right the chapter yeah. on uh, is this bakete yeah i think bakete yes. is the one yep. that touches upon a lot of the uh, literary history of the place a lot of um, important names uh, you did uh, mention in passing a couple of them uh, but the important one is about this uh, can i say immigrant author <clears throat> whose yes biography you're uh, going almost on a treasure hunt of right uh, can you mm-hmm. give us a quick peek into that that chapter and that story and your experience uh, going around uh, trying to find this mm-hmm. copy as well so uh, as i was saying alhabad has been home to a lot of a uh, lot of great literary personalities but the one person that i was very drawn to was this uh, writer who immigrated to alhabad his name is upendranath ashk he came here from punjab and he was not really accepted in the community of writers here mm-hmm. he was also to be blamed for it i mean he was uh, volatile very uh, expressively angry at people and discouraging not discouraging but criticizing people's writing so part of it was him part of it was this kind of hindi literary establishment not accepting a writer from punjab who's writing in a punjabi inflected hindi but he really left a lot of books behind uh, a big big oeuvre of writing and what was fascinating to me was that uh, he has this series of books about this writer chetan a fictional character five volume uh, series it's called girti divariyon foreign walls and in that 
there is one the second book in that series is called Sheher Me Ghumta Aina in the city a mirror wandering which is this massive uh, 500 600 page book uh set in a single day of this writer's life so that was something that I was very fascinated by is like how uh, much detail and minutia he can as a writer he's able to kind of excavate that writer book of 500 pages set in a single day so that really struck me and uh, then i wanted to read more about him and i found out in one of my interviews that uh, he has also left a five volume autobiography called chehre anek of faces a plenty mm-hmm. so i i uh, decided that i'll go find this autobiography and read more about him i found out that not a lot of the bookstores in the city uh, either knew about the book and none of them actually had it mm-hmm. uh, so i went to bookstores i went to libraries i went to old presses in doing that what i also found was uh, the state of this literary uh, landscape of the city mm-hmm. was uh, actually very discouraging the uh, bookstores they their stocks weren't updated for years the books were just you know gathering dust there was barely anyone to actually buy a book a lot of them people were there to just you know prepare for some competitive exams or something finding those books and what was also striking was that this uh, new generation of uh, people who were occupying these spaces uh, were actually not in allahabad to stay in allahabad mm-hmm. they were coming into the city for their education or for a job or something and they'd almost always leave the city uh to go seek better opportunities which was striking from uh, you know someone like ashk who had just uh, migrated and spent a lot of his life here ultimately i kind of uh, found uh, his uh, grandson's number i called him and then he was on return my call and after a long time i finally found the autobiography but sort of that journey of like going around in that day trying to find his uh, autobiography and commenting on the state of these uh, libraries and uh, presses and uh, booksellers used to be so lively at one point just uh, kind of uh, disappearing that was very interesting to me yeah definitely it does give uh, like you mentioned a sense of the literary landscape and uh, one that has been i guess a sort of a theme right has been very very rich in the past but slowly mm-hmm. you're saying uh, the current day scenario is something very different and people just focused on competitive exams and things like that and not really on the rich literary uh, history and the personalities that have been coming out of the place right right from the uh, important names like you mentioned now to even um, mahadevi varma and even uh, amitabh bachan's father right yeah. rai mm-hmm. bachan all of those uh, important names are coming from this very city and uh, just kind of moving a little bit further into the book as well um you do in a lot of these other chapters that are there uh, through your conversations throw some light on the current state of affairs as well right um apna time aayega for example is another chapter where you shed some light on education and employment or the lack of it perhaps couple of quite, uh, very interesting chapters that i found in the book also that i'd like to touch upon udbhav uh, as one samdam ganbhed right uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, take off on samdam ganbhed yes. right yeah so that one was a very interesting one and also i guess gives a sense of the bureaucracy and corruption to mm-hmm. some sense right so that's one and uh, the other one was the uh, first fear or first fear that was also very interesting mm-hmm. and yeah I 
didn't quite get the Firaq reference until I realized that yeah, there is the connection to the poet as well. And obviously, uh, view of the queer, see, you know, the queer community mm-hmm. in Allahabad, how that is. So very interesting chapters too. Uh, any quick thoughts on those? See, Samdam Ganbhed was really like, I wanted to take this because Allahabad used to be a big, you know, bureaucratic center. And you have all these like legends about how uh, fair and just Allahabad's bureaucrats were. And of course, Allahabad has the high court of UP. Mm-hmm. Even now, I mean, Allahabad's high court is always in the news for some landmark cases and all of that. But uh, so I wanted to get a sense of uh, how this underbelly of Allahabad how uh, criminals and lawyers and businessmen, they all come together and form this like kind of uh, network which really influences uh, people's lives in the city. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in, for people who read the book, they'll find I've spoken to uh, criminal lawyers who are protecting, uh, you know, members of parliament who are also dons. I've spoken to uh, this uh, villager who becomes this big uh, silt business person who comes in to challenge the authority of, you know, this mafia dawn, MP figures. Mm -hmm. And what I found actually about that whole thing was that there was a way in which all of this made the city space very masculine. You had to be a certain kind of aggressive or a certain kind of uh, macho Mm. to kind of fit in the cityscape uh, with these characters, which I was also trying to bring out. That was Samdam Ganbhed. And uh, as you were saying, the other chapter, uh, F for Fiat, First of Firak, was really about, uh, inspired from Firak Gorakhpuri, who was this uh, queer poet and professor in Allahabad University, interspersing his uh, couplets, mm. uh, his beautiful love couplets that, uh, you know, he was writing to his lover, how young people find love in the city mm-hmm. or try to find love in the city. And uh, that took me into a very, uh, almost a very different experience of city space where, uh, because I was uh, tracking queer love stories, one thing you find is that the very publicness of a city tries to work against you as you try to find some sense of privacy mm-hmm. uh, to get by your business. So it was interesting is that, A, you'd think that, you know, it's very difficult to like find those spaces, which it is. But at the same time, as I was uncovering stories on chat rooms, on dating apps and stuff like that, I found that even the most uh, public spaces were uh, also sites of uh, desires being expressed, where people are, you know, expressing their love and stuff. So the planetarium, for instance, when the planetarium show begins, one couple was telling me that that's the time when they actually, they sit in the hall and when the hall goes dark, they uh, try to find a time to caress each other there or when they're eating chart somewhere, you know, they'll just uh, uh, take an extra second to feed each other a gold kappa. And these small, small things, which, you know, a kind of reclaiming of the city space for their love story, which was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's very beautifully captured. And uh, uh, a lot of the references you've made in the in these two chapters as well, right? It's uh, it definitely does make a really good and breezy read through. You don't really feel like you've uh, lost track anywhere. It's uh, all very well connected and very well presented. And uh, a lot of these stories are also tied really well so that um, keeps the reader and in this case, the listener engaged. Um, a couple of 
the quick things I'd also like to call out as we uh, kind of start to wrap up with some of the other important spots within the city as well. We can't always forget about food. <laughs> yeah. Wherever yeah. you go, whatever it is, uh, especially we Indians, we cannot forget about food. So uh, do you want to call out some of the important and uh, yeah, in few cases, even iconic uh, eateries and spots that are popular in Allahabad? No, definitely. I mean, uh, Allahabad has a big, big, big uh, fooding culture and people love to eat in mm-hmm. Allahabad. A few places that just top of my head, uh, you definitely, if you're visiting Allahabad, uh, should make a visit to Coffee House. Mm-hmm. It's one of those places with, who's where the flavor of, uh, you know, the sambar or, uh, of course, it's like serving all these uh, English breakfast tables along with South Indian food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is always interesting, but the flavor really hasn't changed in years. I mean, I've been going there since I was maybe three or four, and I think the the flavor still stays the same. Uh, so coffee house is a great place to visit. Then when you go to Chowk, Allahabad, uh, there are at least two places. There's this place called Hari, mm-hmm. uh, and there's this place called Sulaki Sweets, and uh, they're famous. Hari is famous for its samosas and kachoris. Sure. And even now, I mean, random people I meet, even in Baltimore where I am. <laughs> And they get to know that I'm from Allahabad and they're like, oh, can you bring me a Hari ka samosa next time you come here? Uh, so, you know, the huge, huge places, uh, Hari and Sulaki. Uh, and of course, I uh, have to mention uh, this bakery called El Chico, mm. which uh, is really, really old, was the first bakery of its kind in this area. So a lot of people from Banaras, Kanpur, Lucknow still crave the El Chico muffins. It, it is a big uh, landmark in people's minds when it comes to Allahabad's food scene. And of course, if you get to try chaat somewhere in Allahabad, you should give yourself the pleasure of having chaat in Allahabad. Yeah, yeah definitely. The cow gully is uh, popularly known yeah. as. <laughs> Make sure if you're visiting Allahabad, you try out some of those. And um, yeah, how can we forget without a mention of the Allahabadi pan as well, right? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something that uh, you've not forgotten to call out in the book too. So thank you for that. Alapadi uh, Pan is also very, very popular, uh, as is the Amrud, right? Its uh, fruits yeah. are also very popular and Amrud actually stands out and uh, a lot of it that's exported from India is from Allahabad and uh, kind of goes back and ties back to that culture of, the, uh, I guess, from the time of the Mughals, right? Having these bags mm-hmm. and uh, especially the Khusro Bagh and the places around yeah. and all of that. All in all, a lovely journey and uh, just takes you, it's also literally trip down not just memory lane but it was also i'd say almost like time travel right uh, you're starting mm-hmm. off back from the ages just making the connections to uh, how the city's name came about uh, how it's been inhabited for the longest time from those times to the more recent times of tinder and grinder and everything right it's actually mm-hmm. a good um, uh, just trip down not just the memory lane but also a little bit of a time travel and the great part for me was um, I usually um, I don't <laughs> often read books that are very thick and voluminous and this is such a breezy read mm-hmm. that I could finish it off in a couple of settings I think that was a great part too so thank you so much Udbhava and uh, thank you for coming and sharing that with our listeners as well and uh, like we were discussing at the beginning we'll also figure a way out to give a few copies of the book to some of our listeners too so we'll definitely figure that out but for somebody who's looking to uh, keep in touch and is there more books coming down the line or uh, what is the plan now I know you said you're uh, pursuing a PhD now but uh, how does it look like from here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely want to write another book. I don't know when I will be able to write one, but I have 
I have been thinking about writing a uh, a bigger book on UP mm-hmm. in this similar vein. So uh, let's see when that comes about. But uh, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed the book, and thank you so much for having me here. Well, absolutely, the pleasure was all ours, and we look forward to your. Uh, upcoming book whenever that happens we'll keep an eye out yes. for that as well uh, udbhav and uh, thank you so much again for coming and sharing all these lovely stories on the musafir stories thank you so much thank you so much sir that was yet another great episode on the musafir stories make sure to show us some love by sharing the podcast with your friends and family here on instagram and twitter at musafir stories If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or the website. Follow us on our social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Music